Welcome to Screen Quest, a podcast where a fellowship of film lovers and armchair movie experts plays film roulette. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Waterman, joined by Mae Finch. Hello, hello. And of course, we have Will Rotondi. Hey, what is going on? Not too much. On today's episode, we're wrapping our most recent versus mode. We're going to be talking about Gone Girl and ultimately uh, contrasting it, comparing it to and declaring a victor over, not over, Ex Machina. I'm jumping ahead there. Compared to Ex Machina, one of them will come out on top. We don't know which one. I'm actually curious to see how that wow, goes out. I promise it's not fixed. It's not fixed. <laughs> of course, we'll have a side quest as well. And even a little special guest at the end of the show who is going to be part of our drawing of our next main quest. More on that later. But first, let's catch up on what we've been watching because it is summer and there's lots of stuff out, including streaming shows. Um, That is a phrase that we probably won't get to utter for very much longer because I just saw that SAG is also getting ready to strike. So yeah, not only actors, but the writers on on strike as well, um, which may uh, choke off our content, may solve that like there's too much to watch problem just uh, through the power of unions. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) So who would like to share what they've been watching? I am finally watching Succession. And (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it's great. It's like the drawn out uh, dramatic version of Arrested Development. I love it. Uh, (laughs) um really enjoying that i love the score too in fact like the main reason i'm watching it is because i saw uh chris's lovely wife playing some of the main score and i was like i like this music i want to watch this show now oh yeah um so yeah watching succession um uh, getting through the new season of I Think You Should Leave, which is always hilarious and uncomfortable, but mostly hilarious. And I finally finished Chainsaw Man, which uh, <laughs> was very impressive. Um, I I respect an anime where like the animation of each episode is amazing, but also like the title and end cards are unique and like custom animated for each episode. Like they went above and beyond on the animation for that show and i was really impressed great yeah i it's awesome on the very long list of many things that i want to watch yeah, even like the list of just <laughs> anime like is a is a lot but it looks very cool and i mean it has the normal weird anime things when it comes to like violence and horniness so you know disclaimer <laughs> but <laughs> i figured yeah i just kind of assume <laughs> like any anime that like is suggested to me just given my friend circle is probably violent and horny like I don't know what that says about my friend circle. (laughs) Good people, I guess. (laughs) Uh, And yeah, as far as the succession score goes, like if you ever want like to kind of like get into a nice sort of meditative state of mind while working or like writing, um, man, what a what a great Mm -hmm. selection of stuff. Like just it's all beautiful. Um, The only like thing that's hard about it is like aside from the main theme like all of the pieces are like very much like classical like designations so it'll be like nocturne and like blah 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 like in like just has the key that it's in so trying to remember what the fuck it what is called is like pretty difficult for a while like oh get there I, if you listen to it enough but i'm a classically trained musician so actually i love that naming system that's even there you go great <laughs> <laughs> for us plebs it's like uh <laughs> 
<laughs> was that pianoforte and and d or was that intermezzo and c i don't remember what that piece is called like but um cool i'm glad you're enjoying it um one of our friends bill st john was like is that the the show that's uh king lear meets the murdochs like with a little dash of like arrested development and i was like that that's probably one of the most beautifully ways i've ever heard that like put like king lear i can see too yeah <laughs> Well, how about you, Mr. Rotondi? What have you been watching, sir? I feel like I should catch up with Succession. Um, it's funny. I watched that episode and I thought these people are horrible to each other. I don't know if I want to watch it. And then I realized that I really liked watching Veep, which is people being horrible to each other. So I don't understand why I didn't just like jump on that bandwagon. Maybe I wasn't like in the right frame of mind yet. So I guess it needs to get added to the list. Everybody always talks about how amazing it is. So um, as for stuff on my end, it's like, a lot so i will probably just word vomit some titles and feel free to jump in if you want to chat about it but uh in terms of like going to the theater which i am glad to say i've gotten back into the habit of uh, my wife and i went to go see um, across the spider-verse which was great and after that i went with a buddy of mine recently to go see indiana jones and the dial of destiny which i was very pleasantly surprised was a lot better than i thought it like originally it was going to be I kind of had mixed feelings leading up to it, but I was hoping, you know, maybe it'll be good. Kind of like that whole, you know, we joke we have about Star Trek being good every other movie kind of a thing. I thought maybe they'll pull it back. It'd be all right. And was very pleasantly surprised. So that was a blast. Um, and then trying to catch up on some things that have sort of been on the back burner for a while, like HBO, or I should say Max now unfortunately it's been my source of a lot of uh, educational you know checking off you know stuff on the on the list so i finally got back to some studio ghibli and watched nausicaa of the valley of the wind which is beautiful and also very surprisingly violent um from what i've expected with uh miyazaki films but great stuff i actually enjoyed uh listening to it with the dubbed version I don't really mind too much with with like Studio Ghibli films when they're dubbed because I'm always fascinated by the actors that they get to to do it. And so that was fun. Um, uh, wait, well, have you seen Princess Mononoke? I have not, but that is on the list. Okay, well, that so Studio Ghibli, it's weird. It's, it's like like very kind of like quirky, cute, enchanted stories. And then there's a whole other half of it where it's like very gritty, environmental and violence. And yeah. Yep. I know. Right. We're just <laughs> like, dang, like I really care about. I feel like it's it's like Fern Gully, you know, like you're yeah. feeling really bad for the planet. And suddenly dudes are like stabbing each other with swords and shooting each other. And I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> Am I watching the same movie I thought I was? But yeah, like really intense, but also very beautiful is is typical for that uh, for that style. So, oh. um, yeah. And then I guess two other films. What is it? I feel like there's two other things floating around. So my cousin Vinny for the Joe Pesci love that we had after watching uh, Lethal Weapon and then A Patch of Blue, which is a Sidney Poitier film, which is I was really I was moved by it, but I was also very surprised at the subject matter that it tackled for having come out like back in the 60s and what was not censored from that film. So highly recommend. Who knows? Maybe it'll show up on the podcast at some point, but definitely recommend that too. And that's all I've got. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, also made it back into the theaters. Um, 
the first like foray into the movie theaters in a while was Asteroid City, the new Wes Anderson film. I nice. adored it. I was very on the fence for 30 minutes. I thought I was going to be like, ah, this is just another one that like had potential, but just too twee and like a bunch of people <laughs> just talking nothing like human beings talk, you know, because it starts off like that. And like he, he does a good job sometimes making that believable in the context of the world. And sometimes it goes way too far. I'm like, these aren't even people like at all. Um, and then it, be- it became by the end of it, one of my favorite films that he's made. I thought it was just spectacular. Mm-hmm. And uh, I urge you to look as little as possible because I think a lot of the delight of that movie is just kind of watching it unfold. There was like something that happens at the midway point that I wasn't primed for. And like, I giggled with delight and so did Marianne. And like, we were like, Oh, I'm all the way in now. Like, this is great. Uh, of course I did see Indiana Jones as well. Very similar to will. I went in with the lowest expectations wanting desperately to love it. And I did. It's not a perfect movie, uh, but it, it was very graceful in how they tackled the age of Harrison Ford and some of the other established lore, like namely like his like son from the fourth, film and i thought as always mad mads mickelson killed as like the the villain um and if you need any other reason to go see it i mean who doesn't love watching nazis get thrown out of airplanes punched in the face and just otherwise like splattered into a million bits through like fun indiana jones deaths oh hell yeah (laughs) (laughs) um if you need and then of course oh phoebe waller bridges is that her name um from fleabag was spectacular yep. in it. I knew I've never seen an episode of Fleabag, um, but I know people liked her, so I was very curious to see how that introduction of that character was was going to be and how the dynamic was going to play out. And I thought she was a big strength of the movie. So aside from that, I had some friends over on Sunday to watch Network, which is like just one of the all time great new Hollywood films that pretty much like. At the time, I'm sure it was very relevant and saying a lot of interesting things. They're even more relevant today, and they kind of accidentally predicted things like um, what's going on right now in the streaming world in terms of like viewership and ratings and and growth. Like, you know, trying to make something that's historic, like the news that's historically been just like a a loss that you write off as like a big media conglomerate, and then trying like how do we make this profitable? And uh, it's a stellar, stellar, stellar film. I think that's about it. The TV shows I talked about were still kind of watching, but no real big updates there. Uh, let's <laughs> see what we have in store for us in terms of a side quest. We'll dive into our discussion. Ah, all right. Throw your One popcorn. of us has not done this. No, it's not. Thank you. <laughs> uh, it is Furry Friends, and I can't remember which of us has not gone. I know I have. Somebody picked Homeward Bound. I think it was May, but I'm not sure. It was. That yep. means, Will, by default, you have to go. I'm just deciding right now. That's right, because you do Gizmo the last time, right? Because we're yep. including like mythical yeah, creatures sure. as sort of a. Hmm. I think that's a fair game. Uh, you know what? I'm going to cheat a little bit, and I'm going to use something that we talked about last week, which was Jurassic Park. Oh, nice. <laughs> Please. And uh, I'm going to just go out there and say that Velociraptors are like... I don't know. I mean, you've you've got two things when you watch Jurassic Park, at least when we're talking about the original, and that's either the T-Rex who's holding it down for the the home team there at the end. We're talking about the the raptors. And for me, watching the original Jurassic Park, the Velociraptors always scared the shit out of me. And I thought that was like the best well-done like suspense. I mean, don't get me wrong, that T-Rex goes plowing through and eats a dude off of a toilet. But like... (laughs) 
those raptors band especially at the kitchen scene they're hopping around trying to go after the kids and you're not really i mean you know they're probably gonna make it out right it's a spielberg movie kids don't usually die but at the same point you're just like this is really intense the music's beautiful john williams gotta you know shout out to him as well but just something about those raptors man like really made the film and i think it speaks to like the fact that all the sequels have tried to include them to some degree or another for better or worse however you want to take jurassic world and, and all that stuff that does come after um they've always been a big part and so i feel like you can't have jurassic park without the without raptors so that's my choice the intelligence i think and because spielberg What's that? <laughs> it's just a clever girl. <laughs> clever girl. That's right. Mm. Uh, it, because Spielberg is a master, like you think about the evolution of how those are introduced. So he, the opening scene is a, like tantamount to like Jaws and that you don't really see it. You feel the presence of it. The guy falls off the thing and then just like you see his entire body lift up and he's like, you know, clawing on for dear life. And then he just goes right into the cage. And, you know, he's met some sort of gruesome end, but you have no idea what this thing looks like. And back when Jurassic Park came out, like nobody knew what the fuck a raptor was going to look like. Maybe like some very specific kids, you know, that were like dinosaur nerds. But like the design in the film, of course, was going to be like really special. And then like your next glimpse is like when they're feeding it the cow and you get a little bit more, you get like a little bit of the eye maybe. But again, it's mostly the sounds and the things moving around and the, and like, you have to kind of use your imagination and it's not till that like final act where like you really get like a good look and they're fucking terrifying. Like I just, man, I think like a lot of why the Raptors are so cool is like how Spielberg kind of like lays the groundwork for making them scary. You know, by the time they're out, you're like, Oh shit, those things are out. Like, <laughs> Oh no. So I agree with you. Yeah. That's a great pick. It's kind of a show don't tell thing, right? It's like, you see what they're capable of before you actually see them. Mm -hmm. Great for building suspense. Um, I, I really want to add or ruins everything this will. Do I have your permission? <laughs> do, it. do it. Do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. Uh, so actual velociraptors uh, looked like turkeys and were the yeah. size of turkeys. Yep. <laughs> yeah, the ones in the movies are closer to like what Utah raptors, like I think like in terms of size, like mm. which are the, the, like, the bigger ones. I don't know if there actually is like a comparable dinosaur to that, but um, yeah. yeah. The, the actual velociraptors were the size of my dog. <laughs> yeah. Oh, trust me. I, I dated somebody in college who was like, uh, and um, she was an anthropology major, but loved like dinosaurs. And she showed me a picture and it like, it was kind of like, it ruined my childhood a little bit. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, it might've been as bad as learning that Santa wasn't real. Like seeing what those dumb little bird things look like. <laughs> like, being like, oh, like, um, but hey, uh, we accept fictional animals here, so it's okay. <laughs> I kind of like the idea too. Like, maybe they tackle this in one of the later Jurassic movies. That like the reason they look different is like they kind of fucked up like the cloning process, like because they're mixing like the animal DNA from our current time with that, and so it's like an approximation, but it's not really like the real deal. Maybe I I'm forgot just forgot to that put a too. little turkey in there. <laughs> the turkey. Turkey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, somehow it'd be less scary this thing's like, <laughs> just like its little wings. oh man <laughs> somebody awesome. get on that photoshop edit please <laughs> just like a turkey on top of the table in the kitchen and tim's cowering <laughs> oh geez that's like some south park stuff right there man that's <laughs> yeah. great i love it 
like, oh. I love it. Hopefully he doesn't do like a director's cut where he like he likes uh George Lucas's like like realistic <laughs> looking uh they suddenly <laughs> look like big dumb goofy birds instead of the designs, but man, anyway. he already like he tried that with E.T. and it looked goofy. I mean, even I think that about E.T., the movie that like scarred me as a child. Like <laughs> I think we need to like get Will into some therapy about E.T. I, I just so need to too. watch E.T. again. I just need to watch it and face my face fear, your fears. <laughs> Listen, man, come down to Florida. We'll go on the ride at Universal. You can hold my hand. You can hold May's hand. We'll sit on either side of you because <laughs> they sit three across. <laughs> Sweet. If uh, if we start making money off this podcast, all proceeds will go to Will's ET therapy. <laughs> just a portion, you know, just a percentage. <laughs> oh man, very good pick. Thank you. And now it's time for the main events. We're here today to talk about Gone Girl, and ultimately how it compares to Ex Machina. I'm very excited to see what Miss May has in store for us. So please. Lead us on the discussion. I will. All right. So we're talking about Gone Girl today, which also came out in 2014. So the reason we're comparing these. And it's directed by David Fincher, uh, written by Gillian Flynn, stars Ben Affleck, Rosamund Pike, and Neil Patrick Harris, which was an interesting casting. I want to hear your <laughs> thoughts on that later. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, yeah, I'll do a short plot summary because it's a two and a half hour long movie that's a little, despite all the crazy stuff that happens, it also feels kind of slow in a weird way. I don't know. But, um, basically, uh, you have this couple, Nick and Amy Dunn, um, who are in what at first glance seems like a, like, upper class, fairly idyllic marriage, um, but you quickly learn uh, that it was falling apart in a lot of ways. Uh, Nick has a, a, an ongoing affair, for instance. Um, Amy was pretty unhappy with her move from New York to uh, a more rural area. And the central kind of conflict is uh, Amy has gone missing. And uh, at first, it's not quite clear what's going on. Everyone, of course, suspects the husband. And so there's a big investigation there. They find a lot of you know, sloppily cleaned up blood in the kitchen. Uh, there's a diary entries making it look like Nick was abusive, all this kind of stuff. And then you find out, oh, Amy's actually alive and hanging out at a campground and disguising herself. And uh, you see her hit up one of her former um, lovers, boyfriends, and... Um, Basically, uh, when she feels like she's made Nick suffer enough, gets with this other guy, uh, comes up with this whole kidnapping plot, kills the other guy, <laughs> uh, fakes rape, and uh, reappears, and uh, somehow fools most of the investigators into believing that she'd actually been kidnapped by this other guy, Nick was not guilty, and uh, attempts to patch things over with him by uh, inseminating herself with uh, his child and deciding that's what will make the foundation of a healthy relationship for them going forward. <laughs> Did I miss anything important? <laughs> um, I'm sure we'll get to it. The only thing I would add is the reason that she flees to Desi is because she gets like beaten up and robbed. Yeah. It was not originally part of her plan, so it's more of an act of desperation, and then she's kind of freeform jazzing 
the revenge and plot from that point on. It's been very meticulously plot out, plotted out before that. But that's the only thing I would maybe like yeah. throw in there. I think it's I think it's a combination of the robbery and also her like having a change of heart with how she feels about Nick. Um, being like, no, I'll just frame someone else for this. Actually, yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, uh, was this your first time watching it for both of you? Yes. Okay. Uh, <laughs> tell me your first impressions, please. I um I actually really liked it. <laughs> as shitty as these people were to each other, I, I, while we're on the shitty train today, um, mm-hmm. I I was interested to see because I was fascinated by how much you are directed. You are as the audience member, you are given this impression that, um at least from the beginning of the film i mean you, you there's always this undercurrent of anxiety about what's going to happen because you could you could tell things are off just by the first couple of sentence uh couple of lines of narration that nick has and then you're just kind of waiting to see where things are going to derail because you see what looks like you know with these flashbacks to when they first meet you get this impression that they had a really good relationship going and then it's like okay so when did things fall apart and why and you get this impression that Nick is not telling the whole truth. And because of that, you think, okay, maybe he is abusive. And then when you find out, hey, actually, Amy's manipulative. <laughs> and Nick is just kind of trying to figure out in a strangely sort of, I don't know, for a lot of these instances, he seems un- like unreasonably calm about some things. And so then you sort of start to feel more for him, at least in like the like the overall sort of, I guess, gauging it because he's not a perfect person. Clearly, he makes mistakes, too. He is not a faithful husband. And so then it's like, okay, well, who's worse and how is this going to turn out? And so I was mostly just fascinated by this like train wreck that somehow didn't completely derail for either character completely. And how it was suddenly like this big public event where the news gets involved and America wants to know. It's like the latest like trial that like we all get fast. I should say we as like American audiences get fascinated by to watch where it's like OJ Simpson or Casey Anthony or I guess if we're talking like relationship stuff like Johnny Depp. And Mm -hmm. so then it's like watching how public perception also influences how these characters act and ultimately the decisions that they make that bring them back together at the very end of the film and they're still miserable and yet nobody can nail her for that murder and so yeah i was just fascinated i thought this is so interesting and i yeah i just i I wanted to know how the train wreck was going to turn out so i really enjoyed it yeah, so <clears throat> I realized about 10 minutes into this that the twist actually was spoiled for me. Like it came back to me and I was like, oh, yeah. So the twist is that she is actually alive and that she's trying to frame him. What I didn't know was sort of like the context of why. And like it really took the wind out of my sails until I realized the revelation came at the midway point, And then I got really excited again because it became like a Hitchcockian suspense thriller where like you had all of the information and now it was like, how is it all going to play out? And I thought like the film's infinitely more interesting and, and better. Like once the second half gets rolling, because 
like you're privy to everything. And so it really, it's less of a mystery and it's more of like, what's going to happen. Seeing Rosamund Pike from Pride and Prejudice to this was like quite the transformation. I think she knocked it out of the fucking park. Like, I think Ben Affleck did a good job and I like Carrie Coon in it. Um, But, and even Tyler Perry, like I was very surprised by like how well, like he played that character. Cause I always think of him as like the goofy, you know, mm-hmm. guy, like um, loved his character, but no, everybody pales in comparison to Rosamund Pike as Amy. Like she fucking steals the show. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know it was a Fincher movie either before I started it. And then again, same thing. Saw that like, as I was like getting ready to fire it up and I was like, all right, like cool. A Fincher movie I haven't seen. And, had his kind of trademark green tint <laughs> as you can kind of see behind yeah. well um and like the style um of course that trent reznor atticus ross score like a lot of his movies of the 2010s and and later but uh yeah overall i thought it was spectacular i was initially very frustrated by the ending because like i wanted to be fulfilled and like have like the satisfaction of like seeing people sort of like get what they deserve and it's not always how the world works and uh i i thought about it for like days after watching it just like it was bone chilling mm-hmm. um the, i mean the ending in particular so uh yeah it's safe to say i loved it yeah i want to read the book I, now because i do want to compare book amy to film amy because i've heard there's some pretty big differences in terms of like development motivation but sorry didn't mean to cut you off yeah no i mean that's a great point i also want to read the book at some point um I will not submit this as it was the book better, though. So, uh, <laughs> oh, do uh, it. Do it. I've already done half the work. <laughs> true. Very true. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I saw this when it first came out. Actually, a, a, I saw it shortly after it first came out in 2015. And um, I remember being like, shocked because i i was also relatively new to like watching thriller movies and i was just like blown away i was like oh my god that was so interesting and so good and like on the rewatch i found myself i think similar to will thinking a lot about like how the media aspect feels very reminiscent of like those very publicized like criminal and court cases and i was specifically thinking about uh gabby petito in that case if you guys remember mm. it oh yeah um, yeah yeah and just what a shit show that was from a media perspective and how there's still so many unanswered questions and I don't know if anything it made Gone Girl more believable having like seen that happen and like how yeah we just don't know so many things about that whole case and doesn't seem like law enforcement does really either (laughs) Mm -hmm. um so yeah it, it made this whole scenario more believable for me um and I just, I, yeah, I find Amy Dunn just such a chilling character, like, to this day. Um, and, yeah, I, I, we'll talk about it later, but there's that cool girl monologue. And I think this just shows what a good manipulator she is, because it's like, yeah, you speak, you, she can speak to something that is, like, kind of a cultural taboo to talk about. And then she'll just take it to one or two steps a bit too extreme to use it as justification <laughs> then for her actions. But she's very good at like, you know, uh, spinning a yarn to <laughs> justify herself. <laughs> um, and she takes uh, digs at Nick as like the one who's the quote unquote writer when she should have been. And it's kind of funny how you, you see that come through in the movie. 
Yeah. yeah. She's up there with like all time great. Like, like I put her next to uh, what's Sharon Stone's character and in basic instincts. Like, um, but oof, boy, what a character. <laughs> right. Um, so especially since this is your guys' first watch through, I wanted to ask, because we talked about that kind of like shift in tone when there's the reveal. Um, I, I kind of want to know, because I want to talk about Nick Dunn first before we talk about Amy more. Um, what did you think of Nick before we knew that Amy was actually alive versus kind of like after that reveal? I think you're given enough information that he's probably at least partially responsible for their marital problems certainly like felt gross like the the mistress reveal because it's like it, it, knowing all the information right and like he isn't responsible for her disappearance right so there therefore like he you want him to be genuinely concerned and it just feels a little fucked up like even if you weren't happy to like be banging your mistress in your sister's living room like <laughs> while your wife's missing i don't know call me old-fashioned but like (laughs) my my sympathy like really waned for him in that particular scene yeah because it it seems like a colossally stupid idea from like a pr perspective but it's also just a shitty human behavior like i mean the affair is one thing but like that like dude come on like keep it in your fucking pants um i did i did sort of like the this is true part and of course you have to question that part of like the journal aspects in terms of like watching their relationship sort of blossom and then start to decay um and like you know that I, somebody who's been married a little bit like you know we're coming it's a weird six years um like uh, financial strains like right like can be like a big like thing like in, like in a marriage right like i'll like think we've been blessed and that like that's not ever been a problem for us but like talking to people and like just seeing like having it quote unquote easy like there's a sort of like you know that like the honeymoon period is a real thing and like you have to be so intentional about spending time like with your partner and like talking and communicating so like death of a parent the finance all that stuff ranks so true to me and I was sympathetic and then like all came crashing down because of his behavior. Then once yeah. you find, oh, I, we're stopping at that point. We're not talking about post-reveal, right? Just this is pretty. Oh, no, no, no. I want, I want to hear both. Uh, I was just going to say, yeah, like, again, she's very good at like articulating these, these very real issues people have and very real, I don't know, like relationship stigmas and shitty aspects of relationships. Uh, it's just psychotic how she then uses that yeah. <laughs> information. I was totally um, back in his corner for the most part, like when I realized like the extent of like, so when I realized that I knew the twist, I thought the reveal that he was abusive was like, oh, okay. Like, so she's fucking like justified and like why she's doing this. Right. Cause I didn't know like that. No, that was all like a lie. Right. So I was like, oh, okay. Like, cool. She's like, it's extreme, but you know, like if that's what you have to do to get out of somebody who's holding you hostage, like what? I mean, I don't know. Like, who am I to judge <laughs> then, like when it's like, not only am I doing that, I, I want to make sure that he gets the death penalty and just the extent, like as the layers were built, I was like, all right, bud, um, you're still a piece of shit for like the uh, affair and, and like all your behavior, like during this investigation. But also like I imagine day to day life was probably not great for you either. And also like what she's doing now <laughs> makes me way back in your corner. 
if I have to pick a corner, it's yours firmly right now. So um, <laughs> that being said, like I, you know, I didn't buy his like sort of apology confession. I feel like that all was a PR stunt. I don't think he felt the least bit bad about what, you know, what he did. And I kind of landed on the, you don't deserve the death penalty or to be framed for murder, but like, I don't particularly like you either. Like, I think I've come down on that. Like, um, I don't know that you deserve to be stuck with her either, <laughs> but like, so yeah, I, I don't, I, I wouldn't go have a beer with them. We'll put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very long yeah. way of, of saying that. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. I rambled on for a while, so I'm going to claim up now. No, those are, those are great points. Uh, I'll, I'll just add that, um, that fake, that very fake feeling apology. It's so mm-hmm. funny that that's the one thing that like feels real to Amy. Mm-hmm, and kind of convinces her to come back and I, I don't know I just I feel like that says a lot about what they saw on each other and how it was just the most fake aspects of of their actual characters would she say that's the Nick I fell in love with mm-hmm. uh, really that's the one yeah okay. like the fake version better <laughs> clearly yeah. all right what do you what do you think of real and fake Nick um so when you get the impression that he like physically abused her by shoving her against the staircase that to me i was like oh shit all right here we go you know like he is he is actually an asshole and then when it becomes obvious that she is manipulating the truth in her diary entries i was like wait a minute hold up all right so now i'm supposed to like him (laughs) (laughs) or at least feel more guilt or feel better for him and like the fact he didn't try to like murder his wife before um but you i think that what the film does so well is like even though you i mean I, i to answer your question i don't like him any better than I did after the reveal, but I felt more empathetic to him for what he was getting framed for. Um, I still think he made a lot of terrible decisions, pretty much, you know, uh, in the same vein as what Chris was talking about. But I think that one of the things that stood out to me too, just like thinking back over what had happened up to that point was being surprised by some of the dialogue in those flashback scenes. And it made more sense to me at that point where watching them when they were initially together and the way that they would talk and these, these like the romance that was trying to be on display. I thought this, they don't sound like real people. They don't sound like the same people later that we're watching in this situation after she's disappeared. And then I was like, Oh, it's all fabricated anyway. Okay. So it is all like, but it's, it's just enough realism to make you think that you should go along with it. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, that was part of why I liked the film the way it was in that respect was that you were never really sure on a lot of things. There was enough ambiguity and there were enough little clues that you could be like, I could kind of tie it in that direction or this other direction for the character's behavior. But um, but no, so that's a very long winded tangential thought to your main question, which was, no, I, I didn't like him any better but i didn't hate him as much as i initially did when i legitimately thought he was abusive so yeah yeah no i i I love long-winded answers uh keep (laughs) keep the wind long um that's why we're here (laughs) (laughs) that is kind of the whole point of podcasting right yep um yeah so uh i my thoughts on nick is that he's just like in way over his head constantly 
and is just like kind of dumb about everything and entitled and like I feel like that's the biggest difference between him and Amy is just that she overthinks everything she has to manipulate and kind of like play a character in every single moment she occupies whereas Nick is just unless he's really really trying he's just unapologetically himself for better and mostly worse (laughs) (laughs) and um that's I think the only reason this whole thing worked is just because it was the pairing of like one of the most conniving people with one of the dumbest (laughs) what's that song from Chicago like that something hubby of mine that dummy hubby what the hell is that? how's it go like that's all i could hear in my head when i was watching this like <laughs> oh gosh yeah that one yes yes funny um, sunny honey hubby something yeah. like that i'll look it up why we're going to the next I know. okay so um what did you guys just think we, we talked a bit about like the like media and investigation aspect but did you guys have any other thoughts on on that part of the the film and kind of like the public response and um i'm blanking on the name of the main investigator uh bony bony's investigation oh i think from a media perspective i mean the whole like was it like discount fox news or maybe not fox news but just like the the commentator that wants to basically frame him (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or just be like, yep, he's guilty automatically. I can't remember the lady that she's supposed to be um, representing to because I remember that that attitude. There's somebody from, uh, I'm blanking. Isn't it know, Megan something up. from Fox News, right? Yeah, maybe. News, Megan. Let me type in. Megan yeah. Kelly? I don't think it's Megan Kelly. There was somebody else. Uh, you know what? It might not have even been Fox News. It might have been on like... Uh, not msnbc there was somebody there was some talk show host that was always like intensely like it was a it was a female host who was always like very polarizing with all the statements that she would make because she would always take like the most aggressive um stance against whatever it was and i i don't oh my gosh this is killing me now Please hold. <laughs> I, I'm gonna try to look it up and see, like, if there's a, a analogous person, Nancy Grace. Yes, yeah, Nancy Grace. Oh my gosh, dude! Yes, I was just like, that was the face I saw when that came up. But I thought they did that comparison so well. But also just the fact that, like, <laughs> that everybody's watching her show wherever he goes. <laughs> like that's the thing to watch is in the bar at the airport and the sound quality is like amazing on these tvs man where (laughs) everybody can hear every detail and i'm like "Mm, no you you need to go buddy you need to go home so but yeah i just thought that was i thought that was interesting that was part of was part of it um that they focused on rather than any other sort of news angle but um, the sensationalism yeah definitely yeah yeah they're like i think it's worth noting too like it takes place like in the american like midwest which probably <laughs> yeah. would be a key demographic for that kind of like program which might be why like at least around town it makes sense that everybody's watching it i don't know yeah. that's kind of how i interpreted that it was like this is like who these people would look to <laughs> 
sorry if you live in the midwest i promise i'm not trying to be <laughs> like <laughs> oh no <laughs> hey look that detective was like actually seemed to have his back for a lot of that so appreciate that part at least yeah. yeah, she she played um one of my favorite characters in Deadwood, and it took me like half of this movie to be like, where the fuck do I know her? And I <laughs> relented and, and googled it, and I was like, oh, you're you're uh Jody Stub Joni Stubbs in um Deadwood, but she's yeah one of the cooler like side characters I thought because she seems to be very objective, right? Like she gives everything a bit healthy bit of skepticism, but takes the new information as it comes in, doesn't jump to conclusions. Yeah, I, I was really grateful for characters like her and even Marco, <laughs> um, just because, like, <laughs> I don't know, this would feel like a very misogynistic film if it was like Amy was the only woman and it was just like, oh, yes, the dangers of a cool yep, girl. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Never trust a cool girl. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I appreciate her a lot, for sure. Um and yeah, I can already I already said my piece on the on the media aspect. Um, the thing I noticed on the rewatch is like, uh, like I don't think it ever sparked anyone's suspicion that Amy had been like super into like true crime and murder content right beforehand. <laughs> and I'm like, I guess that must be also just kind of an aspect of being like a midwestern blonde white woman in the. <laughs> 2010 <laughs> the demographic like, yeah, too going back to that i think a lot of like i mean you know gun to my head i would say probably 60 to 70 percent of the women that i know over the age of 30 like oh, fucking love true crime like podcasts tv show it's stuff that i can't watch before bed they're just like it's like their comfort like <laughs> have a cup of tea like get and watch it i'm like oh man how do you do that but um so that part of it like I feel like maybe you could overlook, you know, um, granted this came out, what, like 2013, 14 ish. Thank you. Yeah. Um, which I guess would have been still like pre serial, but like plenty of podcasts out there that covered true crime. Do you guys buy like from a suspending your disbelief in a movie perspective and how much you can do that? Do you guys buy that Amy successfully masterminded all of this? Or were you ever like, you know, oh, come on. Like, where, was your believability ever completely strained? All the time. There's cool. so much about this <laughs> that I was like... <laughs> but I also didn't care at that point. Like, I was kind of bought into, like, the story he was telling. And you can kind of look at it as sort of extremes and symbolism and sort of more about what he's trying to say or you know jillian flynn's trying to say um versus really fully believing there are so many things that like i was like there is no fucking way like so yes it's the answer my credibility was strained the entire movie pretty much do you have a <laughs> once, particular once example like what was the most egregious thing to you <laughs> um i think like uh oh gosh the the most egregious thing when she comes back, I just like, like, listen, I'm all about like taking the piss out of like law enforcement and the ineptitude of law enforcement as a Hitchcock fan. That's one of his themes. However, like, there's no fucking way that they would just be like, you're asking too many questions. Like, like, stop. Like, <laughs> you're asking too many questions. Like, she killed a guy. And I know there's a lot of evidence that points to one way, but like, Nick. Telling a law enforcement official, like, hey, this is, like, 
what I believe happened. Here's a substantial amount of like proof to that effect. And then like, well, no, it's just in the hands of the feds and no one's going to like look into this too much because she's I'm like, no, absolutely not. There's no way that somebody else is dead. And there's a lot of suspicious circumstances around her disappearance and reemergence. I just don't buy that as much as, again, I would like to make fun of like the ineptitude of law enforcement. It's not going to happen. Yeah. That should they don't like for something like this high profile, they're not going to leave any stones like unturned. It's way too high profile. I buy that. Uh, how about you, Will? Yeah, I think she kind of lost her. I think she had it up till that, like the point where she saw Nick on the news broadcast where he apologized for his behavior and wanted her to come home if she was out there. And I think that's where she lost her her mojo. I guess arguably she lost her mojo a little bit when she got a little too cocky hanging out of that trailer park mm-hmm. and thought she got away with it and carried way too much cash on her at one given time that the other two folks there that were befriend- befriending her, quote unquote, <laughs> found out about and then wanted to steal from her. Um, but yeah, I think for the most part, I think she planned out a lot. But I think it was also very much just kind of left up to chance for some things to work out as well as they did. And I think she was just really excited that it worked out again for apparently the third guy in her life that we know about that she's uh, manipulated somehow. And that, yeah, she just she got a little too cocky. It might have also been I was a bit confused as to whether she would have legitimately considered killing herself, because that seemed to have been a plot point where she was like, yeah, I'm going to off myself and my body's going to show up in the river and then they're going to have to convict him and send him to the electric chair. And I'm like, wait, hold on, hold on. <laughs> you you want to commit suicide just to get back at this other guy like I could buy if you're if you kind of lost your marbles, but that doesn't seem like you win out of this situation at all. And so then when she changed, I mean, she had little sticky notes that had like question mark, like kill myself today, question mark. (laughs) And she took all those down once it seemed like everything had worked the way that she wanted. So maybe that was just like a backup plan. I don't know. It just seemed very strange to me. Like that was sort of the mindset that she was in. And then suddenly she's like, "Okay, no, no, I'm good. And then, oh, no, I got to pivot again. I got to try something else. And then, and yet, yeah. And then at the very end, when the, uh, when the authorities are like, no, 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 she's, she's exhausted. Give her some time. <laughs> That's believable. It's just the fact that yeah. they're going to table it forever. Yeah. yeah. Right? No more questions like forever. It. Yeah. Like, or like, I understand somebody that like has evidence of like sexual assault and right. And she's covered in blood. Yeah. Um, which reminds me of two other bones. Thank you, Will, for like really just stoking the fire. Of, like, You're if welcome. I'm gonna, <laughs> uh, I know Still it's like a stylistic her. thing. I know it's a stylistic thing in the movie, but she's Why not she walking around in with a fucking calendar with all of her plans. Like that was oh, a yeah. stupid. I'm like, you get pulled over by a fucking cop for speeding and like they see that shit. Like you're fucking done. Number one, like maybe she's that dumb, but I don't she doesn't strike me as somebody that's that stupid. Um, the other thing was, yes, the blood, like, are they really sending her home? Like all the way back to her house? Like Covered she's waving to the cameras, just like yep. blood. I'm like yep. they would let you, they would clean you off at like, yes. like after they've like taken the samples and stuff. So yes, that's part of well. the medical care is cleaning you up. 
Just yeah. want that really awkward shower scene between her and Ben Affleck. That's all that was. Yeah. <laughs> Where we get some Ben Aff. Uh, I don't know, like what a pun I could use. We we get we get he hangs dong. All right, <laughs> I don't have a clarity <laughs> to say. <laughs> Good save, buddy. <laughs> Good try. Good try there. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um. For me, it was there. There are parts of her original plan that made me upset. The biggest one was also like how she's treated when she is finally returned, and I was like, "Oh, come on, really?" Like, I'd have more questions. Um, but like in her original plan, like the stuff that gets sent to uh, Nick's sister uh, Margot, like, how does Margot not notice that? Like, it, do do you regularly just like leave your shed completely un like? attended <laughs> yeah <laughs> like you weren't sipping coffee and looking back and being like wait wh- why <laughs> why are all these gifts being piled in here i don't understand the logistics of that one i do i feel like with the thing about her originally planning to kill herself part of i do believe that it was part of her plan but i also think that as carefully orchestrated as this all was as soon as she's free of nick i think she starts kind of doubting herself and doubting her plan um and i think that's also part of why she changes and pivots so many times after she's out of the house again it's a it's a movie about two terrible people who are in a lose-lose situation really no matter what happens uh <laughs> and uh, i i feel like she kind of felt like without nick she had no life and that's why she so eagerly goes back to him and you know does her damn best to make sure that she will stay with him by, you know, having the kid, um, which is really sad and pathetic. And I don't know, it's interesting to have like this very pathetic side of what is otherwise a very conniving and evil villain kind of character. Um, yeah, I find, I find the duality of Amy to be interesting, um, <laughs> uh, which, which kicks off uh, the, the, the main subject um what did you guys think of amy did you ever sympathize with her is she completely a villain in your mind um just your your overall thoughts on amy uh i sympathize with fake amy like in the journal like um it's the second i got like a unfiltered glance no i i i loved her as a character but she seemed like a spoiled like brat from a wealthy family who manufactures problems that like or uh accentuates problems to like the extreme degree like i'm sure she has real problems like everybody but she you know turns everything to the extreme and i think they kind of set you up for that early on where um you know nick and his sister are talking in the bar and like about the drama that follows like so you're kind of primed for that already but like you don't know of course the extent of it so you're like oh it's maybe a little unfair i don't know like or you at least question it and no i i thought she was a horrible person i had no sympathy (laughs) for whatsoever like and i think it's because of the extremes that she would go to to like ruin several people's lives in the movie several people's lives and and also murder Yeah, yeah. Don't well, forget I, about I include that. that yeah. I include that. Like ending a life is like is ruining a life unless you opt into it. You know, if it's like a euthanasia kind of thing, like I mean, yeah. maybe you're improving somebody's life, but that's a discussion for a different podcast. That is, or at least a different movie. Um, yeah. 
How about you, Will? I um oof. <laughs> <laughs> I will say this, I admire her determination. Because regardless of how you feel about her as a moral, like however you want to feel about her morally, I think that she sets out to do something and she is surprisingly effective at what she does. So whether she's half-assing it like or flying by the seat of her pants or not wearing any pants as the case may be for some of these things, but like she just, I don't know, man, she... Uh, She's determined. She is determined and she made it happen. Because truthfully, I didn't know how, how either of them were going to make it out of the end. And while it's depressing that they both ended up back together again, um, and I really think that Nick's uh, life expectancy is substantially shorter living in that house. Um, I, yeah, I mean, like, she's tenacious man it's crazy and even when you she can't gets... tell me you didn't feel some satisfaction watching her like get robbed and have to sleep in her car the the like motel party oh lot. i did like, she's an but amazing she... character like she's well written but like i was like yeah like take that <laughs> like this is what real problems feel like welcome <laughs> to the real world like anyway getting yeah. robbed by white trash at a trailer park yeah <laughs> oh my god uh, yeah, it's it's a scenario that could have been fixed so quickly if they just broke up with each other and got a divorce. It's true, yeah. <laughs> that would be the simple answer, but yeah. I mean, <laughs> what was in that prenup? How could she not? Yeah, like yeah, what, what, right. What's the issue with that? Right, like she caught him cheating, so just yeah, just done over. Don't have to make it super complicated. So yeah, something about it. Like she just wanted, she wanted vengeance. She wanted <laughs> she... control over Nick, which is you know <laughs> yeah. a typical abuser behavior. Um, yeah. The one thing that left... I did, I was kind of in her corner was like the wiping the like the kiss. I was like, you have a right to be furious about that. Like not to the extent <laughs> of like framing him for like capital murder, but like like <laughs> that little detail was nice because like that would I mean sociopath what like that would break your fucking heart man if like not only did you see your, your significant other was like cheating on you but like something very personal yeah. that you have like a fond memory of like that was pretty terrible but yeah fucker still <laughs> <laughs> uh she obviously should have gotten a divorce and then gotten into a relationship with patrick bateman that that was a, a couple oh, uh, made in hell <laughs> oh yeah man uh, i do also appreciate her commitment to like self-inflicted wounds to somehow perpetuate the lies that she was peddling like boy yeah. howdy you're not kidding man like the hammer to the face or you know the wine bottle, the bottle. and i'm like mm -hmm. oh my god like that is commitment on a whole other level that i will never have <laughs> nor do i want yeah. so yeah so yeah Ooh. I so I always have thought of her as a villain. I don't sympathize with her at all, but I think she's a really well written, interesting villain. Mm -hmm. That's that's yes. been my view. Yeah. Um, in part because yeah, it's so many villains are like, oh yes, I will kill thousands to you know get get what I want in this world, uh, and she's like, I will hurt myself and spin lies to get what I want, and that's like a whole nother level of commitment. <laughs> Uh, concerning one but a whole other level uh <laughs> <laughs> turning other people into villains too like like yeah. it's not just like she's asserting herself like man she is 
ruining the lives of other people, not just by hurting them, but like making like the world think way less of them, you know, to the worst possible extent. So, uh, good for her. <laughs> yeah, or nay. I think I know yeah, the answer. I was like, it's like, what the fuck is she talking about? I kept saying that. I was like, <laughs> when is this going to come into play? <laughs> we talking about Carrie Coon's character. She's like, runs a bar. Like, <laughs> I told you guys this one was a stretch, but it is kind of, it's kind of that genre. I have, uh, her people, not my friends, uh, say good for her with regard to Amy. So I wanted to put that out there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess if we want to, all right. So we let's play devil's advocate for a minute. Then let's go back to Desi's character, yeah. uh, Neil Patrick Harris, right? Yes. So, a interesting choice, as you mentioned, May, um, and also the one dude who does not make it out of this film alive yeah. that we know of, at least. And so, not only is it like a shocker of a scene where they're like, he's having sex with her and it's about to finish and then she slices his neck with a box cutter and just like gets covered in his blood and i mean like for the for me i i was wondering two things leading up to that point which was why did he take her back and also what really happened between them when they were together because you get you know like if she's lying about what's happened before to set people up then i really wondered like what the real situation was because it's made to when we watch the film we're made to think that he was uh obsessed with her and would stalk her and attempted suicide around in her, what in her room i can't remember the specifics but like wanted to be with her enough that he would commit suicide if she wouldn't have him and so then for her to use him again because she knew that he would be interested was one thing but then also like the fact that he also seemed controlling was mm-hmm. weird uh, to the point where I was almost like, you know, you could get out. So you're making up the fact that he's like holding you hostage. But at the same point, he's creepy, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. The cameras mentioning uh, specifically anyone that comes or goes like or whatever the line is. We're yeah. very much the implication yeah. of like, I know you're alive. And if you leave like, well, bad things are going to happen. Right. So maybe that's sort of like the if we wanted to play devil's advocate for the things that happen, it's like her husband cheats on her with another girl. She seeks help from a guy who, yeah, they had some weird stuff happen before, but then he's like kind of controlling. So I don't know, like if we really wanted to try and I'm trying to like go with the. good for her aspect and think okay so maybe there's a little bit we could throw it in that court that there's some justification for doing that stuff but because she's fabricated so much of what's gone on and as chris to chris's point like created problems where there didn't need to be but yeah that's that's all i got i i i do believe that desi <laughs> was controlling and probably abusive in their previous relationship and yeah. i this is not my read of the movie but there is a read of the movie where you say Okay, she does plan everything about the disappearance up up until the point she escapes. And after that, she doesn't ha- really have a plan. Yeah. And that she gets scared. She genuinely does go to Desi for help because she's like, well, I can't go back to Nick. I'll go back to this other guy that was a big part of my life. And 
then gets genuinely scared while there and is like, oh, I have no other way out. Like there's a read of the movie for that. Uh, I think she's being manipulative and planning everything the whole time, but you could, you know, see things that way. Yeah, I don't think she had much of a plan. <laughs> I think like once the realization was that like she was going to have to be romantically involved with somebody that she had no interest of and he kind of has her dead to rights. Like I do buy the menacing sort of like tone or explanation that um, he would have probably ratted her out you know right. to some extent or like let people know she was alive um I, I could i think i could buy it. there's enough evidence the continued correspondence and stuff what i'm impressed with is like you could interpret like her keeping all the letters and and writing to him is like she wanted that lifeline like she sees that mm. far ahead and like well if i'm ever in trouble like here's somebody that i can easily manipulate into like bailing me out and yeah she's like who wants to be a millionaire style is like calling a friend, you know, phoning a friend <laughs> being like, Hey. Um. So yeah. Uh. In a head to head, who would win if oh God. it was a battle of wits, Ava or Amy? Ava. This, is, so, this is how I'm comparing these movies. <laughs> does, does Amy know that Ava's a, a like a Android? I'm going to say no. I'm going to say uh, they encounter each other after Ava's already ex-mocking at herself. <laughs> okay. Oh, that's an interesting question. Mm. They're both faking. So. <laughs> <laughs> or would they just be besties? Like. <laughs> <laughs> I think it would be fake besties. Like I could see them both thinking like I got this this bitch fooled like and then you know like they have their own secret agendas and present themselves as besties it's interesting because i feel like ava's sort of like you know she's new to like the world when we see her but i think given enough like time and experience like around humans i feel like my money would be on ava right like she does have like at her core she's a computer like with the ability to like learn rapidly and store data rapidly and you're meant to kind of believe like in that seven days, she was able to kind of figure out the secret sauce to manipulating her way out of like the compound. So yeah, I think my money would be on Ava, like given enough time and an experience. Like if she's out in the world for a few months, like absolutely. I agree um, for different reasons, but I still agree that I, well, not that I'm disagreeing with what Chris said. I do agree with what he said. My reasoning for choosing Ava is simply because I think that she was done wrong by some dudes that she had no control over, and she took the best way out that she could figure out what to do, and mad props to her for executing that plan and getting out of there. Um, as for... <laughs> Jeez, man. As for Amy, like... Don't get me wrong. I think it's sort of we've we've said it several times. Like she's a fascinating evil character, but at the same point, like she made a whole lot of a, of an issue out of stuff that didn't need to be an issue. Like she created the own her own problems to overcome. So no, I I don't think <laughs> I I don't root for her. I root for Ava. Yeah. Well, I yeah. I'm, not, I'm saying it like who you root for, but like who you think would 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 come out on top, I guess. But um. Yeah, the only disagreement I have with just picking Ava, because, you know, she is a super intelligent AI and, like, constantly learning stuff. <laughs> um, it's just that, like, Amy clearly is fine resorting to physical violence 
and and hurting herself and could easily frame Ava for basically anything. <laughs> oh, the robot did it. Yeah, she can pull that Uno reverse card. Just. <laughs> <laughs> but I think the difference is like Draw the people four. she manipulates mm. aren't willing to retaliate, and I feel like Ava would be like, "Oh, cool! Like Hail violence me. is on the table. Like slow stab." <laughs> <laughs> slow stab. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's fair. I think where Amy might have a head heads up on this is like potentially she would be able to like fake vulnerability in a way that might throw Ava, right? Because mm-hmm. Ava seems to take things a little more at face value. Like, so I think like if Amy were to convince Ava that she was like vulnerable, she could pull the old switcheroo and maybe manipulate her into like acting falsely in some way to get the advantage. But yeah, it would be a close one. Know. I don't know. Ava had she could bet she could like see pupil dilation. Yeah, she true, was true, talking true, true, to true. him about like, nah, you're yeah. you're not telling me the truth. I'm doing my the true false test was not working for him. So even when he didn't realize it. So I, I don't know. She might think she's got the upper hand. Amy might think she's got the upper hand, and I think Ava would get her in the end. Take you away her money. She's useless. <laughs> <laughs> It's all in the eyes, man. <laughs> That's a great point, though. All right. So uh, now we must vote on the better movie. I know this is a slightly different oh, question. Jesus. Nice. Um, Ooh, I like. Okay. No one no one can abstain, unfortunately. Ooh. You have to pick one. Of the two. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like and this could depend on the day of the week that you ask me this question. All right. All right. I, I'll go first then. Okay. Um. <laughs> and it is very close for me as well. I'm gonna say ex machina just because I do like having at least one character I can root for. Mm. And I don't have that in Gone Girl. And it is also it it breaks my one and <laughs> it breaks my like one and a half to two hours is ideal for a movie role, uh, which is a significant cinema sin in my book. <laughs> um so yeah, I think ex machina just because it's uh, I think paced a bit better and has at least like someone I can root for. Cause I do like media where it's just about terrible people. We talked about arrested development and succession. Um, <laughs> but like, it, it's nice if there's someone that can be like, you know, hoping they actually get out of the situation. Okay. Whereas here I was just kind of like, you know, eating my popcorn and being like, I don't know how bad this is going to get, but I'm ready to <laughs> watch it happen. That's my book. Nice. I suppose I'm also gonna go ex machina i think it has more rewatchability maybe mm-hmm. than gone girl gone girl seems like it'd be a great movie to watch a second time but i question like a third a fourth like whatever whereas i feel like ex machina like i probably would get something different every time i saw it and i feel like there's more to peel back so to say gone girl is a bad movie i think it was an excellent movie i just question like the longevity and like how many layers there actually are to be discovered in that I think there's a lot more ambiguity in Ex Machina, and I appreciate it for that. So, by a millimeter, nice. yeah, lock it in. All right. Well, well, uh, ultimately, it's two to two to. Well, it, it, whether I said Ex Machina or not, it wouldn't necessarily matter for the podcast. But I'm actually going to go with Gone Girl by here okay. in, the, in the other direction. Um. 
And oddly enough, it's for the reason that Chris mentioned with the ambiguity. I I found it more fascinating trying to figure out what was real and what wasn't just for the sake of argument. Like you, it's impossible to know for sure, but I felt like just the little pieces here and there throughout the film where I thought they sound like real people and then they don't sound like real people. And then when it's like the whole reveal and I'm like, okay, all right. So this part's probably not real. This part might be real. Some of the dialogue with those characters though, like, it wasn't even like primary dialogue, like necessary to the plot that I found to be entertaining for the fact that I felt like I was listening to real people talk. Like when the detective's making some offhand comment about what's your wife's blood type. And then like the guy who's with her after Nick leaves the room is like, should I know what my wife's blood type is? And she's like, no. <laughs> Just like the interactions with some of these characters that felt so real or like between Nick and Margot that felt so real as just it just felt natural to me whereas watching ex machina while i am fascinated by ava's character uh watching it for the other two dudes just felt very much it felt more like listening to in some ways an adapted like philosophical debate and mm -hmm. i didn't really feel like i know that people do talk like that or those conversations happen but it just sort of it felt less realistic to me in that fashion the conversations ha that he had with ava felt real but just sort of like the we're hanging out getting drunk throwing out some ideas about stuff and i'm like yeah i'm sure that's all realistic for what it's trying to talk about but i thought it's just so I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that would be like what having a conversation drunk with like Neil deGrasse Tyson would be. I, I can only imagine. I, and I, also I having say, that knowledge. I've spent a lot of time around like techie guys and startup owners and that, that is what they talk like. It is. Okay. It's well then. Accurate. Yeah. Cool. Then I'll, <laughs> I'll roll with it then. But yeah. Something about Gone Girl. I think it was, it was the ambiguity. It was wanting to go back and understand what I guessed because it is ultimately guessing, right? What I guessed would be more realistic than anything else. So I don't know. Which is weird because I love Ava's character and I like that she gets out and I'm choosing the shitty people over over that. But that's just how it's going this time. That's okay. <laughs> it's art. You can root for the <laughs> shitty people. <laughs> Not real life. We're all good. Um, Thank God. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Uh Ex Machina has one by a hair, maybe two hairs, but uh, we really appreciate Gone Girl and I'm glad we could talk about it. Yeah. Do you guys have any final thoughts before we transition to a little game? I have one, unless Chris has something beforehand. If you like Rosamund Pike, like we all do, apparently, and you also want to watch her be manipulative in another film, I would highly <laughs> recommend checking out I Care A Lot on netflix which i enjoyed quite a bit <laughs> just because i i think she is a fabulous actress actor actress um and that she deserves a lot of credit for this film that we watched and for a lot of her other work too so whether she's playing somebody nice in pride and prejudice or she's playing somebody very conniving so uh but yeah so i'd recommend that i'll have to check it out all right, so you guys remember the game we played last week, right? Yes. With the reverse keyword countdown. I've done the same thing for Gone Girl, but this time the keywords were a bit less repetitive. So this is literally just the top 10 keywords. Um, the fake keywords I have, I tried to make sure they weren't even in the top 50. 
Um, but yeah, so you have your real top 10 and your fake top 10. I'll give you a pairing. You tell me which one you think is correct. We'll go through 10. Uh, most points wins. Sound good? Sounds great. Okay. So for uh, number one, your options will be missing person and kidnapping. <laughs> you want to flip flop like we did last time, Will? Yeah, that's good. I'll go. I can go first. Um, I'm going to say missing person. Okay. Ditto. All right. You're both correct. Good job. I got the give me point. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Number two. We have disappearance and male nudity. Male nudity. <laughs> Just waiting for Will to do that. I I, I want to say yeah. <laughs> I want to say male nudity, but um, man, I'm saying I'm overthinking it now, and I'm also thinking about male nudity. Um, I'm gonna go with disappearance. <laughs> Will is correct. That was a red herring from me. <laughs> nice. Just because everyone remembers that happening in this. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> Up close. Up close and personal. Okay. Number three. Law enforcement and murder suspect. Murder suspect. Okay. Chris? Law enforcement. All right. You fell for the red herring again. <laughs> it's murder oh, suspect. <laughs> no worries. It's all right. You still got time, buddy. Yeah. Only We're only in number four here. All right. We have husband-wife relationship and affair. But would this be like a keyword that would give away a plot point? Husband-wife relationship is what I'm going to go with. Okay. Yeah. I agree with Chris on that. I'm going to do that too. You are both correct. Noise. All right. Number five. We have thriller and based on a novel based you gotta sing it well i know exactly what you <laughs> <laughs> did you you guess based on a novel i uh, guess i'm sorry based on same novel. same okay good you're both correct did not fall for the bait this time <laughs> all right now we're halfway through with Will at five points and Chris at three. Still time for a comeback. Number six, we have Cool Girl and Psychopath. <laughs> psychopath. Okay. I agree. Well done. It is Psychopath. Only because I heard you call her a cool girl earlier and I felt like maybe that was a little slip, but that's just me. <laughs> I mean, she has a whole monologue in here. <laughs> yeah, about cool girls. Yeah. Yeah. There are synonyms in her mind. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Number six, we have missing wife. And a word I can't pronounce. I think it's uh, yixoricide. Oh, come on. What? What is this, <laughs> this trick over here? <laughs> missing wife. <laughs> okay Chris well, I'm gonna go for the fucking weird one just because like <laughs> I gotta side. okay cool uh, it is missing wife <laughs> nice 
And I, I would love to know how to actually say this. It is the technical term for the murder of a wife. And I don't, yeah, or specifically murdering your wife, not a wife in general, but yeah. <laughs> Somebody else's <laughs> wife. Jeez. Committed you sword side. That son of a bitch. Oh, it was somebody else's. Ah, it's fine. <laughs> it's different. It's different. Different. Yeah. Don't log it as that. It's yeah. like patricide or, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. Patricide, matricide. Yeah. yeah. Um, this one's just impossible for me to pronounce. So, uh, number eight, we have emotional manipulation and hidden diary. Emotional damage. <laughs> emotional whatever <laughs> manipulation yeah manipulation. <laughs> i almost said damage but i'm like that's yeah <laughs> no points for chris oh uh, well, man oh it was so close um were my options again i apologize emotional <laughs> manipulation and yep. hidden diary emotional manipulation you're both correct nice It feels weird. I feel like I'm trying to manipulate you guys right now. It's a little <laughs> too on the nose. <laughs> Give it time. Work on it a little bit. Hone your oh, skills. God. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, number nine. We have narcissist and manipulative personality. Manipulative personality. Okay. Narciss narcissist. All right. That is a point for Will. Nice. One more and you run the table, buddy. Every once in a while it happens. <laughs> but now that you jinxed it, it's okay. I'll take my I'll take my nine and I'll go. I'm good. I'm cashing my chips. <laughs> All right, you guys ready? Yeah. Okay, we have infidelity and rage. Infidelity. All right. It's that question again about would they do a plot point that, or would they give a keyword that gives away a plot point? But uh, you know what? I'm just going to go with rage. You were so close to a perfect sweep. No. That's all right. I already <laughs> cashed in my chips. Get so. wrecked. Get wrecked. <laughs> <laughs> so cool. Uh, well, you still win, Will. Congratulations. Yes. <laughs> <Very> uh, <laughs> but yeah, it was infidelity. Thanks. Oh, yeah. Good job, buddy. Yeah, likewise, man. Thank you both for playing. Thanks Thank for hosting. For I like that. That was, uh, that was not, a cool variation. I'll try not to manipulate you guys in the future. Sorry. They always say that. It makes for better content. <laughs> that's what that's what really matters. If Network taught me anything, it's better content's all that matters. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, that brings us to the end of the episode, which means we're going to draw a new card. But first... Through the power of editing, I'm going to bring our friend Adam in now. And abracadabra, boom. Adam Gumbert, welcome back to the show. How are you? Doing pretty good, doing pretty good. Not too bad. It's hot in Kentucky. Let's talk about that again. <laughs> oh, gosh, yeah. It's so hot everywhere in Florida. Yeah. It's It's been brutal. Like, I walked outside at, like, 8 this morning, and it already felt, like, terrible. Like, I was going to have yeah. coffee on the the porch and i was like no not doing that how about inside <laughs> yep, yeah exactly it's the humidity well, too down here it's brutal yep very 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 bad uh but we're we're excited to have adam back here for a guest for next week's episode we're gonna find out what we're gonna draw which is always an exciting part of the show we'll remind people uh a little bit 
about what Adam does on next week's episode. We'll let him plug some of the amazing work that he does. He's on a couple of different podcasts and projects. But first, let's find out what we're going to be watching this next episode, shall we? All right, giving the cards a shuffle. And May is exempt if we pick one of her cards because May will be abstaining from next week's episode. And it's had three in a row. Uh, so this one, let me make sure it's not a May pick. Ah, it is a, uh, it's a Chris pick. And it is a Stranger Than Fiction, which is our documentary category. This is going to be our second time Ooh. with that. The documentary is The Rescue, which mm. is the story of the rescue of the kids in a cave during a monsoon. Um, I think it's on Disney+. Plus. It is heart-pounding and amazing, and I won't ruin it for you. Um, just strap in. It's it's a really, really like uh, great story about how human ingenuity and teamwork can have a really positive result. So kind of like the opposite of what just happened with the uh, Ocean Gate thing, unfortunately. Um, yeah. So imagine that, but like a much happier ending, like in terms of like mobilizing people. So because um, obviously I'm sure you guys know they got out because the news is the news. But um, just watching how it all went down is very fascinating. So I can't wait to hear what you all think about it. Has anybody seen it besides me? Not me. Oh. Um, I want you to, to t- keep a little tally. Um, and I'm actually serious about this now that I think about it. And every time you say something to the effect to yourself, like, fuck that, like, no way, like put a little tick mark and let's, uh, <laughs> let's go ahead and compare notes. All right. There's your, there's your homework for, for this one. Um, cause I think I screamed nice. it about a thousand times the first time. <laughs> Just make it a drinking game. Ooh. There you go. Even Dangerous. better. I say since I'm not watching this one. <laughs> Get drunk. He's got it. You got it. It's blurring it out. Oh, I can kind of see. Uh, 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 yeah, it uh, keeps uh, blurring it out, but I wrote down make a fuck no tally. A fuck no tally. There you go. <laughs> I love it. I'll do nice. the same. Um, but yeah, that's that's gonna be our, our film. So thank you, Adam, for filling in for May next week. And we can't wait to, to talk about this one. I really can't wait to hear what you guys think about it. I think it's a stellar documentary. It's made by the same people who did the um, what was the rock climbing one? Free solo. Oh, free solo. Oh, that's good. Oh, so yeah. if you enjoyed that, you'll you'll enjoy this a lot. All right. Well, hey, as always, you can find us on Twitter at ScreenQuestPod. As uh, we've been doing lately, we'll have a Google form attached to the episode description wherever you get the podcast, so that you can submit your own film nominations. We've gotten a few more of those uh, in the last month, so thank you for sending them in. Keep them coming, please. You don't have to be a, a guest host, but if you want, there's even an option for you to check that box as well. We appreciate the support of the show. Remember, the best way that you can help us is just simply by telling a friend. I've seen some new subs rolling in on YouTube and podcast services. So keep that uh, that word coming and uh, or the, I should say, keep the love coming and spreading the word. There we go. And uh, <laughs> we really do appreciate all the support. And until next week, we love you. Bye, Bye guys. Bye.